This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this Monday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set with the New York Yankees losing it two games to one it is their sixth straight series loss they are currently all the way down to fourth place in the american league east 16 and a half games back from the division leading new york yankees and currently two games out of the final wild card spot getting ugly Quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. Probably this episode. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight from the city of Canton, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. I've, I've been better, certainly. Um, I'm glad that the all-star break is, is here. I know that the players are glad the all-star break is here. They, they probably need some time off and and some rest. Uh, I need mental time off and mental rest from watching this stupid team day in and day out, just puke all over themselves and get more hurt and just fall further and further back in the standings. So, uh, yeah, it feels like it, Today felt like a turning point in the worst kind of way. Um, it's it's really starting to look like doomsday around here. So, not doing great. One team looks like a bona fide World Series contender, and the other one might finish fifth in the division. So, yep. it's uh, pretty ugly. Also joining us tonight from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple days ago I got to work with you and, and Andrew and I didn't feel bad for saying that we were going to win one game, but boy, did I call that we were going to get crushed in game two and game three. That was just so brutal to watch. It was a major league team facing 25 Bambies on ice. It was just awful awful so not feeling great i'm really happy that we're going into the all-star break now because good god if there was another game tomorrow i don't think i would watch it it's it's that disappointing i had the red sox winning game three with chris sale i just thought we would get to garrett cole like we do when we when we see him in two games that are in close proximity and uh, that was not the case today for a multitude of reasons. Garrett Cole went seven innings, struck out 12. Another guy, I think, pitched the Saturday game. That was Jamison Tyon. He gave up six runs uh, a series ago against us and then was lights out. So this Yankees team clearly came prepared, made some adjustments, and uh, the Red Sox... Apparently didn't have any plan at all, but by the looks of it, we got tattooed in every facet of the game. You know, we're going to get into the weekend shit list, so we're not going to cover a lot of the positive things. Not that there were many, but 
um, Nathan Avaldi came back and uh, wasn't super sharp, but kept us in the game, gave up a uh, three-run shot to Giancarlo Stanton, which was a little painful because there were two outs at the time that home run was hit, but still not a, a terrible performance from Avaldi. Garrett Whitlock pitched three scoreless innings. Uh, Tanner Houck, I think, gave up. I didn't. I admittedly fell asleep on Friday, but uh, gave up. Uh, I think one run, the the extra automatic base runner, and um, and then was scoreless today. But um, those were really the only bright spots. Every everything else was uh, pretty um, pretty depressing. So. We'll get into the weekend shit list. I'm actually going to lead off with mine since we uh, ranked him third. So we'll start at the bottom at number three. I'm going with Chris Sale. Now, is it his fault that he got hit with a comebacker and now he's probably out for the season with a fractured finger? Not really. Am I still frustrated that it was basically a lost season for him, uh, you know, for a multitude of reasons? Yes. The other thing that kind of frustrates me with Sale is that he only went two-thirds of an inning before he got hit with that comebacker and gave up two runs. It was looking very much like he was about to get slapped around. And everybody else after him got slapped around. I really think this was going to be an ugly performance by Chris Sale uh, by a Yankees team that was, like I said, very prepared. And my expectations for Chris Sale were pretty low. I think three out of the five of us, uh, you know, were similar in that on the show. And it just, it looked to me like it, it was going to be the same Chris Sale that was searching for it. The, the since 2018 and even though we've lost him I, I don't know that it's really as devastating as it seems I I really think it was it was going to be a roller coaster with him and you know it, it all ended with an injury so who wants to go first Jason yeah it's it's just so frustrating and it's been the Chris Sale experience ever since he's come here. You know, he, he had sort of really just one really productive year, you know, the, the 300 strikeout year. And yes, he was a big part of you winning the world series in, in 2018. That, that final punch out was probably his best highlight as a Red Sox so far, but um, it's just, you know, yet, yet again, just another injury. And look, this one, it, he could be out for the rest of the year. If, you know, if that fracture is bad enough where he's going to need, you know, some sort of procedure or surgery on that finger, forget about it. it you, you're not going to see him. You might see him like the final couple weeks in September when the team's out of it by then, and they might just shut him down anyway. So it's yet another season that you don't have Chris Sale, who you signed to this, you know, massive deal, who's supposed to be your ace, and he's just not there. Um, and like you said, Terry, today was not his fault that the injury was not his fault. That's a freak comebacker, just nothing he could have done. He couldn't have gotten out of the way. Like it happens. Right. But I agree that before that he was looking very vulnerable. He was trying to pitch guys inside. They weren't biting. He was not commanding the strike zone. He didn't look like vintage Chris sale at all. In fact, he, he didn't even look close. He looked very hittable. He looked very vulnerable. So I'm, you know, as, as annoyed as I am and as much as I feel for him on this one, because that, again, I just think that injury is such a freak accident and he, you know, nothing he could have done about it. I'm also sitting here going, well, he was probably in line to give up like five or six runs early on in that game and get pulled early anyway. So, you know, his last, his first start back against Tampa, he looked good, but that was Tampa who's missing, you know, a bunch of their best hitters right now. So, you know, that probably played into it. Um, and I think even in that game, like, yeah, he looked good, but he didn't look dominant. He didn't look, you know, like his, his you know, prime self. So does the injury suck? Of course. Is it demoralizing? Is it frustrating? Of course it is. But I don't think that you were, you're not losing a Chris Sale who was about to rip off 10 wins in a row for you 
every time he went out there and started. He just kind of looks like an average guy now. And you hate to say that because he once was a great pitcher and, you know, once was the ace of your staff. But you may be looking at a guy who just, I don't know, back into the rotation at this point because after this many injuries and this much time that he's missed, I'm not sure what else he can really give you over the stretch of the remainder of his contract, which unfortunately runs all the way until 2025. So they've got to find something to do with him, but I just, I don't know if being, you know, the ace of your staff and being a six, seven inning guy anymore. I just, I don't know if that's him. So I'll, I'll speak on sale. Two things. One, I thought this was year three of five. I thought he only had two more years after you said that. Cause I thought 25 was either a player or a team option or a mutual option. Cause it wasn't guaranteed. Right. I'm pulling it. Anyways, that, that's all right. So that, that's, that's the first point. Cause I thought it was five years. Cause this is year three. The other thing was if Devers doesn't commit that error, this inning is over and we don't get that comeback or that crack sale in, in the, in the hand. He gave up a, a leadoff double. He, Cracked Judge on a slider inside. Rizzo grounded out, advanced the runners. Then there was the error. That could have been out number two. Carpenter grounded out to short. That would have been the third out. We're down 1-0 instead of down 2-0. And then Hicks gets a single, rips that right off of sale, and we're, we're not talking about this. I have no idea where this game goes. I don't think that Chris Sale is going to do... 13 runs allowed bad. I also don't think he's going to... Um, I think this game would have been much closer had Devers not made that error. And I love Rafi Devers. Like I will, I'm a huge supporter of him. This is a freak accident. Like I don't think I've ever seen someone who is rehabbed from a major injury come back, thrown five-inning shutout baseball in the first rehab start, and then not even 25 pitches in, you're done possibly for the season because you got a 107-mile-an-hour pitch line right at your pinky. I think, you know, Terry, we're, we're talking about that, that contract. That contract's ugly, but I still want Chris Sale. Is he still an ace? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to be an ace when you can't play. It's kind of hard to, to be an ace when you can't throw up 200 innings and 250-plus strikeouts. Um, in relation to the Chris Sale that we got that ridiculous year, Chris Sale has been struggle bus city. Spanning 2019... To now, he has 12, or excuse me, 11 wins in three seasons. He had 12 wins in 2018 alone. So we definitely have to figure out, you know, what's going to happen with Chris Sale. Um, I'm hoping, he, you know, he said in an interview post game that he's still hoping to come um, back. I, I did just quickly look it up. So Chris Sale's 2025 is, uh, it is an option. It's not guaranteed. Um, but I'm, I'm the contract sucks, but at this point, no one's going to take that contract away. Nope. We're just going to have to deal with Chris sale doing the best that he possibly can for whatever 22, whatever is left of this really sad and pathetic season, because this was a team that was projected and went up to 93 games. And I'm like, wow, I'm going to be eating a whole boatload again. And now we're projected at Terry's number 85.4 wins right now on the average. We lose one more game, we're at 84.2, which is the number that I picked. So I'm still not done on sale. I think it's an inc- I, I don't think it's fair to blame him for this. I think it sucks because the contract was rough. But man, oh man, when you heard that, you as soon as you heard that ball hit his hand, you knew something broke. And that was awful. As soon as I saw the clip, I said, he's out, he's done. Well, before the camera even came back to sale, Euclid was already saying, yeah, he's he's literally walking off the field right now. Uh, here are the details of his uh, contract. So he's only guaranteed 2023 and 2024. Both of those years, he gets $27.5 million. Apparently, that number can rise if there are some Cy Young finishes. Um and then the vesting option, if in 2024, Chris Sale finishes in the top 10 in American League Cy Young and does not finish the year on the injured list, that 
extra vesting option year will kick in for twenty million if he can accomplish all that. So I'm I'm looking at Chris Sale right now. We spent years years ragging on Clay Buckles. The dude's not injured. He was just a ticking time bomb every time. He's gonna get hurt, and it's it's it was always something weird. And, you know, the the rib thing, a little weird. I've never seen that in the history of MLB uh, as far as a, a pitching injury. Perhaps it's happened once or twice, but it, it's an extremely rare injury nonetheless. And I'm just sitting here wishing Chris Sale had Clay Buckle's durability, <laughs> you know. And it's just, it's frustrating to watch. And uh, go ahead, Charlie. I don't think Clay Buckholz was durable towards the end. He was falling apart. Like he was good for a couple of seasons at the beginning. You know, he had that uh, twelve in one year. He had like a seventeen win season. But other than that, I don't really remember him being very relevant. His ERA was disgusting. He couldn't strike anybody out. It, uh, I, uh, I still would take Chris Sale now over or over Buckholz if if I was given a choice between one or the other. I know that if I'm getting 15 starts, 20 starts out of Chris Sale, assuming we can get them, they're going to be eons better than anything that Clay Buckholz put together. I still don't understand how he was able to go, you know, 12 and one that year. It's been like 10 years, but still insane. That was the World Series year, and uh, he got caught using that bullfrog suntan lotion, and he was using it for the baseballs. That was pre-Spider Tack, and uh, he gets caught with that, and then a. Uh, a start or two later, he's on the injured list because he said he was he cuddled with his kid the wrong way and fell asleep and woke up and he was sore. And three months later, he finally came back. I'm just looking at his. Yeah, so 2016 wasn't good. That was his last year in Boston. Clay Buckholz, and that was a 478 ERA. 139 innings, though. That's That was a lot for him. Uh, and then he uh, never really got it back together after that the next season seven and one third innings pitched total with the Phillies that was probably just one or two starts two starts and then oh he did pitch 16 games uh all uh, uh yeah all starts for the Diamondbacks and actually had a pretty good year in 2018 2.01 ERA I want to say he got hurt though towards the end and wasn't wasn't helpful at all and then uh, 59 innings for the Blue Jays in in 2019. So Buckholz's career ended at age 34. Rick Porcello's ended even sooner than that. And Chris Sale's 33. He'll be 35 in the final year of his guaranteed uh, salary. So... I just, my expectations are low and I don't imagine the Red Sox are going to go make a big splash in the starting pitching market this winter, but we're just going to have to get used to life without Chris Sale. Yep. And keep in mind, he's also got a full no trade clause through 2024. So even if you did find a team stupid enough to want to take on the money, he could just say, nah, yeah, the only I don't know if it would be any recourse at all, but if the Red Sox are like, we're gonna release you anyway, so which which route do you wanna go? We're we're a ways from that. That would probably happen in his last season if they deem that he's just useless. He might be destined for the bullpen. Maybe that's what's gonna have to happen. And he's gonna be a super expensive reliever, much like David Price is. And I last I checked, Price was doing pretty good in that role this year, but um, I just don't see how his body will hold up as a starting pitcher. All right. Sale was number three on the shit list. Let's go to Jason for number two. Yeah. For number two, I'm going to focus on the right side of the diamond for the Red Sox, Franchi Cordero, and we're going to group in Jaron Duran as well. These two were, I mean, Useless, it doesn't even begin to cover how bad these two were in this series. Jaron Duran, 0 for 8, four strikeouts. All four of them came in today's game. Franchi Cordero, 0 for 6, six strikeouts. Literally 
these two guys, they didn't play game one, the game that you actually won this series, but the final two games that they played, they were just automatic strikeouts. And, you know, it, we were looking it up before the show and Charlie, I think you're the one you, you found it. It was Franchi Cordero over his last 16 with 15 strikeouts, literally his last 16 at bats. There's only been one where he's made an out that wasn't a strikeout. This guy sucks. This guy, and we, and we've said it for ever since he got here that this guy is, he's not a good ball player. And then, you know, all the advanced analytics people, well, look at his exit velocity on his outs and, oh, he's hitting the ball hard and, oh, he's learning how to drag bunt now. Like, Franchi's actually becoming really valuable. No, no, he's not. He's not. He's a strikeout machine. He's not good defensively. Um, you know, the, the, the big thing about him when they got him was that, oh, wait till you see his power. He's got, you know, big-time power and, you know, he can hit the ball. He's only got three home runs this year. So even the power's gone away. And, you know, I know it's because he's trying a new approach to hitting, but that new approach isn't working because now he's just striking out all over the place. Um, and same goes for Jaron Duran. Boy, what a drop-off for that guy. I mean, really, ever since he missed games from the Toronto series, he hasn't been good. He had like one or two games when he came back where he had a couple of hits. I think he had a home run as well or something like that. He can still steal bases, but – defensively it's an adventure in the outfield every fly ball he's dancing on his tiptoes you know trying to camp under it because he's not quite sure where it is the throwing arm we know is trash and he goes up against a guy like Garrett Cole and all Garrett Cole has to do is throw it 97 miles an hour down the middle and Duran's not gonna be able to catch up with it and he'll swing right through it and it's a non-competitive at bat it's just first base right field two areas that have been a massive problem for the Red Sox all season long. You know, they tried the Bobby Dahlbeck experiment at first base. That failed. That one's really come back to bite them in the ass, the fact that they didn't trade him in the offseason. And then right field. They started out with Jackie Bradley Jr. Then they remembered that Jackie Bradley Jr. is the worst offensive player in Major League Baseball history. So they finally call up Jaron Duran, who was playing well in Worcester, so it was the right move. And at first seemed like he kind of got it. Now he's hitting that sort of, if you want to call it a rookie wall, he's definitely hitting that hard right now because he just, he can't put the bat on the ball. He just can't find a hit. He can't buy a hit right now. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's glaring. It's glaring how bad those two positions are for you. And then you look at the Yankees, Anthony Rizzo at first base, having a good year, you know, the outfield, they've even kind of figured that out. And, Look, their outfield situation isn't great either. Joey Gallo's been a complete zero for them. But the difference is everyone knows that Brian Cashman's going to fix that at the deadline. He's going to go out and he's going to get an outfielder somewhere. The Red Sox aren't going to do that. They're not going to pay. They're not going to spend prospects to fix right field or fix first base. They're not going to do it. They're going to stick with Franchi. They're going to stick with Jaron Duran. They're going to stick with Jackie Bradley Jr. Because that's what they wanted to do. They went out and actually brought Jackie Bradley back. The Brewers mercifully took him off your hands, gave him a stupid contract, and finally took him off your hands. And Kyan Bloom comes in here and goes, no, actually, we'll take him back. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, he hit like, what, 153 last year or something? And Kyan Bloom's like, oh, it's, it's a one-off. Just get, you know, we'll get his eyes fixed and he'll be good to go. Nope. Nope. He still sucks. And we're paying him way too much money to suck. It's just embarrassing. It's so embarrassing watching Cordero, Duran, Bradley, Dahlbeck, whoever it is. You know, it's like, it's just a joke. And it really goes to show, like, that's kind of why the Red Sox are in the position they're in right now. Because your general manager just punted on two positions in the field for whatever reason. And now it's really, it's coming to bite them in the ass. Yeah, I mean, uh, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. Uh, just doing a little look-see on uh, Franchi Cordero. 0 for his last 16 and 15 punch-outs. Jaron Duran, 0 for 8, 4 strikeouts. You you can't afford to go 0 for 14 with 10 strikeouts between those two. You can't afford to have m- multiple easy strikeouts. Like, you don't even have to lift the bat. I mean, you literally could put anybody else in there, and if you don't swing, there's a good chance those four strikeouts might be two or three. You could find anybody to strike out three times in a game. 
back-to-back times. You can find anybody to strike out four times in a row. The experiment is over. The Franchi experiment is done. As far as I'm concerned, it's it's done. Like, this was not a good trade. Albeit, I'm not going to say that, you know, we made the, the wrong move because Red Sox fans, the Boston Red Sox, they gave up on Andrew Benintendi. Andrew Benintendi is not the same Andrew Benintendi from three years ago. Andrew, Andrew Benintendi is a single doubles guy. That is it. Who's not vaccinated. So Red Sox fans want to turn their back on him, which is really sad because they think that, you know, Franchi Cordero is better. Jaron Duran, as Jason mentioned, did a great job to start it off. He had a fine start to the month. I believe he had a, I think he had a home run to start the month off, if I'm not mistaken. And Franchi too, same thing. Like, there's moments of brilliance for these guys, and then there's moments where they just fall apart. And it's starting to become a little frustrating when the moments of falling apart isn't like once every couple days, but every damn game. It's really frustrating. And uh, I'm not going to be making any excuses for Franchi Cordero. In the last series, he went 0 for 7, 7 strikeouts. This series, 0 for 6, 6 strikeouts. Excuse me, 0 for 10 with 9 strikeouts. You just you just can't make excuses anymore. When you're bad, you're bad. And this is a guy who's now striking out this month 25 out of 45 times. That's unacceptable. It's 55% of your at-bats. And we're expecting you to be a major league guy right now. You think that we're going to look at you as as the answer? Jan Duran had a two run. He had a homer and two RBIs in the first game of July. Since then, two RBIs. That's it. Fifteen strikeouts and fifty-one at bats, batting one ninety-six. You take off that first that first game, even the second game, six for forty-two. That's garbage. That is absolute crap. It's one. I believe 143 as a batting average. If I do the math on my, on the fly, you can't live on that. And pitchers like Garrett Cole are going to feast on that. I mean, I don't think any pitcher goes onto the mound and says, shoot, I got to face this guy. And that's for three or four guys in the Red Sox lineup. And half of those names were the names that Jason just mentioned, Jaron Duran and Franchi Cordero. They're not good. They're not figuring it out. I don't know if they're going to do any better after the All-Star break. You give them a week off. What they need to do is figure it out or, safe to say, I don't think Franchi Cordero is a major league player. And Jaron Duran may need still some more seasoning. Still, which blows my mind, because if he still doesn't get it this time around, it's it's going to be a short leash for Jaron Duran as well. So in the month of June... Jared Duran hit 333 with a 385 on base. Way off the charts compared to anything he's projected for uh, as a, a major league player. So 333, 385, and then in the month of July, which kind of correlates to um, post Toronto, because Toronto was the final series uh, of the month of June, which Duran could not participate in because he was unvaccinated. In the month of July, Duran uh, Duran is uh, hitting 182 with a 224 on base. So he's hitting about 150 points lower. Franchi Cordero, uh, his June wasn't super spectacular, hit 242 with a 342 on base. So his on base was exactly 100 points higher. He was drawing walks. In the month of June, he's hitting 146 with a 196 on base. So steep drop-offs for these two in the month of July. So Franchi's not getting the walks, as Jason pointed out. 15 strikeouts in his last 16 at-bats. He's not an everyday player either, so those 16 at-bats go back a little ways. And Jaron Duran, I mean, both of these guys had very good plate discipline the the first few months of the year. And for Duran, it was just June and July. But, um, but their plate discipline was very good. They were getting on base 
Like Duran was getting on base a lot from the leadoff position, and then he was stealing second and was just absolute terror on the base pass. That's gone away. You can't say that July has been bad entirely because of Duran and Cordero. They are definitely part of it, but there's a lot of guys on this team that just simply aren't super productive right now. I mean, Alex Verdugo is the the one guy who's been super consistent all month. And Devers has, uh, you know, been fairly solid. He did miss a few games, but but it's just a team that's not firing on all cylinders. And when you look at Duran and Cordero specifically, those are two moves. Those are two positions that Bloom has to address before August 2nd. If Bloom does not address those, there's no point in making any moves. There's no point at all. I, if this free fall continues, I don't have our exact July record in front of us. We're three games over 500. I think we were 11 games above it at the highest. There's a chance we could be under 500 and... At that point, are we even buyers? Shouldn't be. No, I, I think they're quickly, rapidly heading into territory where by the August 2nd deadline, you're going to have to be sellers. Because if you're four or five games under 500 and you can't even get that second wildcard spot, forget it. it. It's you know, It's not like they... They don't have a, a first baseman coming off the IL that they're waiting for. They don't have a right fielder coming off the IL that they're waiting for. This is what you're stuck with. And, you know, the the, the prime guy out there that everyone keeps bringing up is Josh Bell from Washington. They're not going to get Josh Bell because Washington's going to say, okay, you want Josh Bell? Are you willing to give up Nick York? And Bloom's going to say no. So, and, But some other team is going to be willing to give up their number four, number five prospect because that's what happened – last trade trade deadline the prices were insane and you know guys were giving up their top five prospects for rentals the red sox are not going to do that so yeah they are absolutely heading towards a a point where they're going to have to be sellers because they need to at least do something with some of these guys that they can trade off yeah we're we're definitely not buyers we have to be sellers and 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 the other thing is on the last show that uh andrew yourself uh, Terry and, and and I were, were chatting the package that we could potentially put together for, for premier pitching the Luis Castillo's out there, the Frankie Montasas out there. It's going to take an arm and a leg. You're going to have to overpay. And the Red Sox are not going to be willing to get rid of Marcelo Mayer. They're not going to be getting rid of Tristan Casas. Jay Groom is off the table. So all of of your top, top tier guys, those names, they're gone. So the, they're not going to be in trade packages. It's just not worth it. And um, we just saw what happened when, you know, you trade a prospect away, regardless of what rank, I forget the name or what number rather uh, the prospect was, I think top 10 for Schwarber, but Schwarber was there for a couple months. He's gone. We're not going to do that again. There's no point. There are too many teams with way too much firepower. We have no rotation. There is no point to mortgage anything this year. It's not going to happen. And, I, and I'm sorry to say, it's not me trying to be negative intentionally. We're just in trouble. That's just a statement of fact. People can ignore it all they wish, but we're getting slapped. And it's not fun getting slapped the way that we did in this series. You lose, you win a game, not because you won the game. You won based on a broken BS Major League Baseball rule that because Sissy crybabies want baseball games to go faster. We're going to put an automatic runner on second. Xander Bogart starts off at second base. There's a deep fly to center, left center. Runner comes around. Ground out to DJ LeMay, who doesn't even look at Xander Bogart's, fires a strike to first. Then there's that weird bounce. Xander Bogart's heads up play, scores. Xander Bogart's isn't on... Oh, Bobby Dahlbeck flew out that at bat. If Xander Bogart's isn't on base... Yankees don't score in the bottom of that inning either. We go to extra innings some more. We probably lose that game too. And then to make matters worse, you dropped 14 runs in the second game and then an additional 13 in the third game. You got outscored 27 to 3. That is disgraceful. 
completely unacceptable. At this point, unless your name is Rafi Devers, if there's an offer on the table for a player, I would entertain it. Is Can we say that Devers is not on the table? I can. Devers is not on the table. There you go. I just did it. <laughs> Raphael Devers is... Fans sorry, can Jason. say it, but Bloom isn't saying it. <laughs> yeah. So, Bloom's, I, Bloom's I agree, just, Charlie, I wouldn't put him on the table, but Bloom disagrees with you. Oh, yeah. Nobody on this podcast wants that to happen, but I'm no, Bloom I mean, is I'm Bloom. We might get you know, Franchi Cordero's twin brother in place of him next year while our next outfield prospect, or, you know, infield prospect, rather. Even if we have to take a hit on a prospect, like, oh, we don't get as good of a prospect for J.D. Martinez, I would do it. Even if we don't get as good of a prospect for um, Bradley's not going to get traded. That's not happening. Verdugo, if there's a, a proper move, I'd hate to see him go, but I would consider it. He doesn't strike out. That's a, an appealing, attractive quality in a hitter. He goes 0 for 5, 1 for, 0 for 4, no strikeouts. He's still getting great at-bats. Did do great this series. He only struck out once. Everybody else struck out more times in two at-bats than he did all series. Everybody should be on the table with that one exception. And Xander Bogarts, maybe you hold on to him too, but Devers is your top priority. This weekend really upset me because it just looked like, forget about taking the gloves off. They just looked, they just rolled over and took it. And that just, to me, that's not just bad baseball. That's just... There's no heart, and there's nothing worse than a team that showed no heart. I'm just looking at some numbers here for some other players, uh, namely Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos. Schwarber has 29 home runs, 58 ribbies, which looks pretty good. However, he's number three on the MLB strikeout list with 120 already. Not good. He's hitting 208 with a 317 OBP. So he's getting a significant number of walks, but those strikeouts are just killer. And then Nick Castellanos has apparently cooled off. I He had a pretty good April, but I don't know. No, he's played 91 games, so he's not hurt. Um, so... Eight home runs, 46 ribbies, but he's only hitting 251 with a 297 on base. He's got 94 strikeouts, which is a decent amount, but it's not, you know, quite Schwarber territory. So those were the two names that were getting kicked around quite a bit. I was a big proponent of Castellanos, and uh, a lot of the fans wanted Schwarber back. The logic there was, well, you might only have JD for one year, so go ahead and just figure it out for one year with Schwarber, uh, you know, until JD goes, but it's going to be interesting. If we're not sellers, what's bloom going to do here? I, I don't know. This is, this is, it's been a brutal month. All right, let's go to number one on the shit list. Charlie, who is it? So number one on this uh, shit list is uh, someone who I had high hopes for, and that's Nick Pavetta. And this hurts for multiple reasons. Pavetta just got slapped for the second straight time against the Yankees, and the Red Sox won the last time, and he gave up six runs and three and a third. So just in the month of July, okay, I'm trying really hard to restrain myself. Like, I'm getting really angry. Against Tampa Bay on the 5th of July, seven earned in five and two-thirds on eight hits, two walks, four strikeouts, no home runs allowed. Picked up the loss, his sixth on the year. July 10th, five days later, six runs in three and a third. Less runs in two less innings on eight hits, same as the first appearance. Two home runs, two walks again, five strikeouts. Yesterday, seven runs, seven hits, four and a third, two home runs, three walks, four strikeouts. Why am I pissed? Okay. Month of July and three starts. Nick Pavetta has allowed 20 earned and 13 and a third. In the month of June and May combined, in 12 starts, Nick Pavetta allowed 19 runs. 19 runs. Why does this hurt? 
Home runs are, are flying off of Pavetta. He's given up four home runs in the last two games. He allowed four home runs in the month of June. He only allowed two in the month of May. Pavetta looks lost. Nothing is going right. No quality starts in, his, in, in the month of, of July. Is he really done at the end of June, beginning of July? Is that possible? I really hope not. Because before that first first game of July, Pavetta didn't allow more than five runs in, an, in a game. Now, so far in the month of July, he's allowed six or more in three straight. It's not something that you can depend on. When you have 20 earned runs and 13 and a third, 13.5 ERA. Yeah, congratulations, you're striking out one an inning. You're also allowing one and a half runs an inning. You're not doing your job. You're not cleaning it up. You're not going to help Boston win games. It's disgusting how quickly this team has just fallen apart. And a couple weeks ago, we were trying to figure out like how many games we were going to win. I said we go five and I, I might have said five and seven, but I meant to say five and nine. My hope was that we'd win one each series. Baseline five was going to be the ceiling. You split against New York the first time around. You go one and two against Tampa Bay. You barely pulled out a win against Tampa Bay the third time around, and you got lucky with your win against against New York. You're five and nine. Very well, could have been two and twelve or three and eleven. We could be behind Baltimore. Pavetta is someone who we need to figure, like, we need him consistently doing work. The entire rotation is damaged. The entire rotation is hurt. Or just came back and then got hurt. Not their fault. I'm pissed. Because this is a team that I really was starting to believe we've got the pieces. We've got the parts. And it wasn't one player falling. It was eight or nine or ten players falling at the same time. Some in the rotation, some in the bullpen and some in the lineup. And when you have that many people going down at the same time, that's the Titanic sinking. The boat is taking on too much water, and there's no way to recover. You cannot scoop the water out faster than the water is coming in. And if Pavetta keeps allowing six, seven runs a game, not only is Pavetta not going to win another game, Pavetta, he's going to just be in there to eat innings, three, four innings a game. I don't expect this to, to stand because we can't have it. Or the Red Sox aren't even going to finish 500. Pavetta doesn't play games the way he was supposed to. This season is, is forget about gone. This is embarrassing. The amount of money we've spent, no words. Jason? Nick, yeah, Nick Pavetta had a horrific April as well. Um, gave up 15 runs in just over 16 innings and... We were all kind of hitting the panic button then, too, because we're going, okay, this is a guy who was one of your best starters down the stretch last season. What's going on? He addressed it. Had you know, He said he it was a mechanics thing that he fixed, and he went on a tear. May and June, he was awesome. He was the best pitcher in your rotation um, next to Evaldi. And I think, I think he was actually better than Evaldi down, you know, throughout that stretch. Now, all of a sudden, he's back to April Nick Pavetta. He's giving up 20 earned runs so far in July, and he's barely pitched 13 innings. So what's going on? Yeah, you know, like Charlie said, the ball's starting to leave the ballpark a lot more too. He wasn't giving up home runs that much in May and June. He's given up four already in the month of July. So he's getting tattooed. Um, I don't know. Like I'm trying to figure out what it is with him that's going on. I, the only line I can draw, maybe the. That whole thing in Toronto where he, he hit the batter and there was, you know, um, you know, words being exchanged. Then he hits a batter in Tampa and words were exchanged then. Um, maybe that got to him. Maybe he feels like he can't pitch inside. Maybe he's scared to go in there because, you know, he, he's afraid of hitting a guy and, you know, starting something. I don't know. Um, but ever since those two hit batsmen, he's been terrible. And I, I just can't imagine that a guy's mechanics just go out the window that quickly. Um, but maybe with Nick Pavetta, it does. Maybe he's just, he really is a Jekyll and Hyde pitcher. And at times he looks like one of the best pitchers in the American league. And then he'll just go through a stretch where he's extremely hittable. He's extremely vulnerable and teams just jump on him. And he, you know, when he gets jumped on, he can't get out of it. It's maddening. 
it's so maddening to watch, especially now when, like Charlie said, your rotation is in pieces. I mean, you just got Evaldi back, but you just lost Chris Sale. Um, you know, Waka, Hill, these guys, still, you know, they're still not back. You just got Whitlock back, but he's back in your bullpen now, which is where he should be. But still, that's something that you're taking away from your rotation. The young guys, Winkowski was getting roughed up. Cutter Crawford is good, but I don't think he's quite ready. Um, you don't have you know, Brian Bayo was supposed to be your big pitching prospect that was going to make a big splash. He was terrible, had to be sent back down. So you need Nick Pavetta to return to what he was in May and June. If this team even wants to have a shot at, you know, doing anything, even a shot at getting that second wild card, you need Nick Pavetta to pitch well. If if he's just lost it again, and this is the kind of stuff you're going to get for the rest of the year, forget about it. You don't stand a chance. As Charlie said in Nick Pavetta's last three appearances, he's got a three, uh, excuse me, a 13.05 ERA. It's through the roof. And I don't think we're ever going to know who Nick Pavetta is unless this is Nick Pavetta. Just a uh, constant up and down very abruptly in, in both directions. That's what he's been his whole career. And he's 29 years old. And I think he made his uh, debut, if I'm not mistaken, that might have been, was it 2017? I'm getting it right now. 2017 was when he made his debut. So, He's been around a little while, and this is a second organization, and the dude just hasn't figured it out. And that was a fairly prolonged run. That might have been May and in June might have been the best run of his career, quite frankly. He got his ERA from six something all the way down to I think three point three one was the lowest. And now it's back up to 4.50 on the season. <laughs> it's just really, it's really frustrating to watch. And there is no path to the postseason without Nick Pavetta pitching well. Now that Chris Sale is gone, not that I expected a lot out of him anyway, but there's just, how do you get there? You got Nathan Avaldi. I'm cautiously optimistic. He'll go the rest of the way without any major problems. Michael Waka is throwing bullpens right now. There's probably going to be a rehab assignment soon. Same as Rich Hill. You got those two. You got Pavetta. Josh Winkowski is up and down. He looked okay in his last start, but he's not getting the swings and misses that a lot of people expected. So, who knows which way his trajectory is going to go from here. It's it's tough. It's tough to sit here and make a case that we're going to make a run for it because the Mariners, suddenly, they're playing to their potential and they're into a wildcard spot. The goddamn Baltimore Orioles are a game and a half out and they've got their top pitching prospect. I think he's up. They're playing good baseball and they could make so they could be buyers at the deadline. The Baltimore Orioles can acquire pieces if if they want to and they could make a run for it. We were laughing at them. We were laughing at the Orioles and here they are probably about to knock us into fifth place. We're a game and a half ahead of them. And and then we're in fifth. We're we're in the bottom of the AL East. Toronto seems to be getting it together. They did fire their manager last week, kind of surprising. They're going to potentially be buyers at the deadline. They have a GM that's on the hot seat. That's made a bunch of moves, spent spent the most money in franchise history. The Blue Jays are going to be buyers, so you can bet they're going to they're going to improve. The Red Sox don't have a lot of trade capital to win a bidding war, so it's just it looks extremely ominous right now. And as far as Pavetta goes, <laughs> this is the this is the ride we're on with him, and 
Hopefully he figures it out. But if he does, he might have a good second half of July and then August, then lose it again in September. Yeah, that's that's kind of the way it goes with him. He he could go on an absolute tear through, you know, from middle of August through September, like he did last season. But if the Red Sox are already out of it, then you sort of look at it and go, Oh, who cares? <laughs> like, great, you're pitching well again. And at least Pavetta's a guy that you've got him under team control for I think a couple more years because his his contract's pretty pretty friendly that way. So if he does figure it out, you can at least say, All right, that's a piece we have for the rotation next season because there are a lot of guys that will be leaving contracts expiring, what have you. So hopefully he's able to get it back at some point, whether the Red Sox are in it or not, because uh, if he just completely drops off the table now, then there, there you go. There's another asset that is completely wasted. One other point real quick. We were talking about this before we came on. Schreiber, Diekman, and Brazier all had two appearances and they they were scoreless in each of their first appearances they gave up multiple runs in their in their second appearance this rotation that can't seem to eat up innings i mean today with sale that was a freak accident so you're it's a bullpen game essentially at that point and then you got Pavetta lasting four and a third that's just these guys are going to get shelled and exposed. If you got Avaldi, well, he only went four and a third as well. But if he finally goes six innings again, well, okay, now you got Schreiber, you got Whitlock, and you got Hauk to close it out. But if if that starter doesn't go six, you're oof, it's it's going to be hard to close that game out. So. Yeah, and I mean, especially for a guy like John Schreiber, he's never pitched this much in his career. So he he's on pace to have, you know, I don't know, close to 60, 70 innings pitched the way they're using him. Um, Garrett Whitlock is a guy that they're trying to be careful with, but they're going to have to use him more and more in these close games. Um, Jake Diekman has pitched a lot throughout his career, but he's no spring chicken. He's 34 going on 35, so... Typically, that's a tough workload for a guy that age. So, yeah, the bullpen is is heading in a dangerous territory, too, of just being overworked. And I feel like we say that every year with the Red Sox bullpen, but it, it looks like it's happening again. There's not one area of this team that's playing well right now. And that's, yeah. Oh. Well, well, all right. This might have been the most depressing episode of the season. We're going to end it on that. We're not going to do pitching matchups because, quite frankly, we're nearly a week away from the next series, so we don't know what they are. Alex Cora can shuffle them any way he wants. So uh, no series preview uh, this episode. We will, however, be back uh, tomorrow for Hot Take Tuesday. So... Be on the lookout for that, and uh, I'll see you then. Take care.